Go ahead and open your Bible to Psalm 27 that we'll be looking at for just a handful of minutes here and kind of meditating on, like Tim said, um, how we face times of trouble. And that's what David's facing here. So go to Psalm 27. If you're using one of those Bibles in the seat in front of you, uh, if you need the page number, it's either page 429 or page 460. So you can find it that way. It's pretty much right in the middle of the Bible. So Psalm 27, I will read it in just a minute, but first let me lead in prayer and ask for the Lord's help. God, thank you for this opportunity that we have tonight to hear from your word and to hear uh, this encouragement from David who faced much trouble in his life and an encouragement of how we also can face trouble confident in who you are. Lord, I pray you'd You'd open our eyes to what you have to say to us and that you'd just make very clear, Lord, what, what this passage means for us tonight. In your name, amen. Psalm 27 of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter. In the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord. And lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. David is the author of this psalm, and it's evident from the text that he's facing trouble. Verse 2 and verse 3, they allude to evildoers, adversaries, foes, an army, a war. And then in verse 12, David makes explicit his present circumstances. He says, give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. David writes this psalm, or at least records it, as being in the midst of trouble. For David, this trouble was some specific historical event that I don't know more about than what I just told you in those three verses. 
But in seeing David's response to these particular circumstances that he was facing, we can see a pattern to follow whatever circumstances we might be facing. And so we're going to follow this psalm through very briefly and see it unfold in four parts, four encouragements, really, for dealing with trouble in our life. And the first of these encouragements comes from verse 1. It's simply, remember who God is. And that's what David does in verse 1. He remembers who God is. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David begins the psalm with a declaration of who God is. Uh, the first thing, he says, God is light. Uh, over the, the past week, I'm, ba- I'm back at my job this week, so I, I teach, so I have the summer off, so I'm back, and I'm driving a lot. And so as I've spent time driving and some time walking this week, I've, I've tried to imagine just, like, what it would be like if there was no light. And uh, it, it, would be, it would be probably kind of dangerous, for one, but, but more than that, the trees, the hills, the sky, everything that you look and see that's beautiful, it would just disappear. And I would not get to see the beauty of the world and enjoy the majesty of what God has created. And I'd have no sense of direction either. And that's because light, light reveals things to us. Light allows us to see the world around us clearly. Right? Because the lights are on in here, you can see me and you can see each other. And in a similar way, God has revealed things to us so that we can know who he is and what, and, and I'm sorry, who he is and how we're to live. So he's revealed himself in his word and he's revealed himself in his world too, in, in creation. And he's the one who guides us as well, like a light. And we, we may think of the Exodus, where the people of Israel are led out of Egypt by a pillar of fire, this light in the sky that's leading God's people to safety. So God is a light. God is light, he says, I'm sorry. God is salvation, he says also. David, David had known God to be a savior. He'd known him to deliver him from times of trouble. And all through the story of the Old Testament, we see God working salvation through his people. We see him lead his people out of harsh slavery in Egypt, like I just alluded to. We see him, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my thought. We, We see him lead his people through the Red Sea, delivering them from the Egyptians. We see him, even in David's own life, delivering David and the people of Israel from the Philistines with Goliath. The list goes on. All through the Old Testament, we're seeing this deliverance. So David had known God to be his savior. But now from our perspective, we see even more clearly, we have a much clearer depiction of God as savior. And we see that in the salvation that God has provided through Jesus Christ, through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, where God himself entered into the world in the form of a baby, lived a perfect life in our place, and then died in our place, and is now resurrected. We know God is salvation. And David says also, God is a stronghold, verse 1 still. 
God's not only the one who saves, he's also the one who guards and protects. God is a stronghold. He's a light, he's salvation, and he is a stronghold. But notice, though, that David doesn't just take comfort from these bare facts about God, something just about God. Rather, it's from the fact that David has a personal relationship with God. You see that in those verses? Look, look at, look at what, what he says. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. And so for David, it's the recognition of who God is coupled with David's personal relationship with God. He, he, he belongs to God and God belongs to him. And that's what gives Davis, David the boldness to say in those verses, whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? And so the exhortation to us, the encouragement to us is to remember who God is. And not just abstract things about God out there, but, but who God is as our God, as our Savior. And we should remember who God is. And flowing from this declaration David makes of who God is, we see him move to a statement about the priority of his life, of David's life. And that's our second encouragement from this passage. And I think this is kind of the heart of the passage, David. And and the encouragement for us is make God your priority. And I think of it like, uh, I don't know, I've only ever seen this in movies, but I imagine people do it in real life too, where you have like in a wartime movie, uh, there's a soldier and he has this like locket that he clicks open and it's got like a picture of a loved one, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and, and you see this in all kinds of different movies. Uh, if you've seen Castaway, he has the same kind of thing. It's like this little picture he clicks open or something like that where he can see his wife. And, and what, what's happening there is in the midst of trouble, the soldier or whoever it is, is drawing comfort from a vision, a, a picture of this person. And behind that, I'm sure, is a desire to see this person and to be with this person. And I I, I think of that picture with what David says here. I think David's in the midst of trouble, and he has his little wartime locket that he's, he's looking at something that is giving him comfort and hope in the midst of trouble. So I already touched on verses 2 and 3, and so I'll just briefly say he mentions trouble there. So what David's about to say about his priority in life comes in the midst of this statement about trouble, about difficulty. David's not a stranger to the struggles we may face in the world, but he finds his joy in setting his focus on one thing. So he he shares it with us in verse 4. This is what's in David's locket. It says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David's priority, David's one thing is dwelling with God, is being in the presence of God, gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. He wants to see God. And while on earth we don't see God directly with our eyes, 
we do see him through what he's revealed about himself in his word. And like I said before, in his word and in creation as well. We see God now by faith in what he has revealed to us. Even as I just mentioned in verse 1, we, we see God in that sense. And David explains why this is his priority in verse 5. He goes on. Uh, and now notice there's a move that happens here. In verse 1, David spoke of God's character, who God is. God is light. He is, uh, he is salvation. Here, though, David speaks of God's works, what God is doing. And he draws encouragement from this. He says in verse 5, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. So the reason David is saying he wants to be in the presence of God is because he's certain that God will protect him. God will deliver him. Those things he knows are true about God in verse 1 will show themselves show themselves in verse 5 with action where God delivers David. God protects David. And here again we have a, a better vantage point than David from where we're standing now. David's seen something of God. He knows something of God's deliverance of salvation in God. But we get to see Christ and the salvation that he has worked for us. So we get this glorious picture, this image of God's glory, his mercy, his justice, his love in the work of Christ and what Christ has done. And these are the things that should fill our minds. These are the things we should think about. And so we should, we should make God our priority with David our one thing should be being in the presence of God, seeing God by faith. And that should, that should define what we do at church, too. And that, that, should, that should define what we show up to receive or to be a part of on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening. I, I was reading C.H. Uh, Spurgeon has a, a big commentary on the Psalms. And, and commenting on these verses, he says, we must go to the gatherings of the righteous, intent upon the gracious object of learning more of the loving Father, more of the glorified Jesus, more of the mysterious Spirit, in order that we may more lovingly admire and the more reverently adore our glorious God. It's easier to understand when you can see it on the page. But basically what he's saying, our focus when we gather should be about knowing God better as he's revealed himself so that we can worship him better. That should be our priority. That was David's priority. And that brings us to the third encouragement, which is to pursue God. And by the way, these are not four different things you could choose from. These things are going, they're moving. There's a progression in this psalm from, from remembering who God is to making God your priority, then now to pursuing God. And that's what we see David doing in verses 6 through 12. He, he turns to God in prayer. And I don't here have time to unpack everything in these verses, so I'd encourage you to read them and meditate on them, think about them. But let me just make a couple observations. One, David 
is pursuing God. David had said in verse 5, his priority is being in the presence of God. But David's not just sitting back, waiting for God passively. He's seeking after God. And if you look down at verse 7, you can hear the desperation in David's voice almost. He says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. David is desperate. He, 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 he desires this, and he's pursuing it. He's seeking after it. And then notice also just one other thing. Um, David repeats God's words back to him. I think that's really cool in this, this prayer. David, look at verse 8. David says, You have said, God, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. And I just think that's an awesome picture of praying to God what God has promised to us. God is saying, or I'm sorry, David's saying, look, God, you told me to pray this, and now I'm praying it. Answer me, please. I think that's instructive for how we ought to pray as well. And then finally, um, we have, we've, we, we've had remembering who God is, making God your priority, pursuing God, and then finally, wait for God. And we see this in verse 13 and 14. Verse 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage wait for the Lord. And there's kind of an interesting thing happening here, right? Because on the one hand, David has just said he's pursuing God. He's seeking after God. He's, he's praying that God would listen to him. He's desperate that God would listen to him. But on the other hand, David concludes the psalm with waiting. And so for us, we're, we're called to pursue God diligently, seek after God, but recognize that ultimately God is the one who chooses when and how he'll respond to us. And sometimes we're called to wait for God. And just lastly, notice that David waits for God with confidence. Um, you see it all throughout the psalm. Verse 3, he says, yet I will be confident. Verse 10, he said, the Lord will take me in. Verse 13, he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Even as David waits on the Lord, he is confident in God. He knows who God is, and he knows that he is God's, and God is his. And so also, as we seek the Lord in prayer, we should pursue God. We should chase after God, and we should wait expectantly that God will help us, that God will meet us, knowing who he is. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for this psalm, this reminder of who you are and how we're to pursue you. And Lord, I pray that as each of us faces trouble in a, a variety of ways, from a variety of directions and a variety of levels, Lord, I, I pray that you would help us, you would sustain us, and that we would each pursue you, and we would seek after you, and we'd wait patiently for you, Lord, and in your name.